You're listening to Episode 9 with your host, Megan Cameron. Welcome to How to Sweat Less, the podcast where we empower you with insight, inspiration, and humor on your journey to sweating less and loving yourself along the way. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back. Today, you are in for a treat on this episode. Today, I'm talking with Maria Thomas. She is the founder and creator of My Life as a Puddle, the blog that goes back 13 years of hyperhidrosis advocacy. And without further ado, here's our conversation. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Maria. Hello. How are you today? I am a sweaty mess, but I'm great anyway. So we're so right where you should be. <laughs> exactly. Let's start off with, you know, telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Well, my name is Maria Thomas, and I am the founder of the blog, My Life as a Puddle. I started it, gosh, like 13 years ago. So I've been doing it a long time. And if you would have told me then, you're going to start a blog about hyperhidrosis, about excessive sweating, I wouldn't have believed you. But here I am talking about sweat. So yeah, I've been doing that for a long time and and I've become a patient advocate and it's been a really rewarding experience for me. Yes, and a trailblazer for hyperhidrosis. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I've, I've been called the OG of hyperhidrosis. So that's a title that I wear proudly. Yes, and you should. Like I remember when I first started diving into what this was all about, you were my guru. And I'm a little starstruck right now, I will admit. Uh, sweating like crazy because I'm like, right? you're a little bit of my idol. So oh, bear with me so if much. I'm <laughs> a that, little bit that, nervous. That means the world. It really does. Like It's it's simple things that you think maybe, well, I, I can't do this. Nobody's going to care what I say. And then you put yourself out there. And the universe rewards you. And I've met so many different people and created a sense of community. And it's allowed me to have a purpose in my life. Like, how can I make my sweaty mess my message? And it's a beautiful thing because there's so many of us that need you and need to hear what you have to say. So it's beautiful. And thank you for doing what you do. You're welcome. What kind of led you to start your My Life Has a Puddle blog? I had a really profound experience as a patient volunteer at a dermatology conference. I volunteered to get Botox injections in my hands. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that I walked into a room and didn't have to apologize for how my body behaved. People shook my hands and they didn't shrink back in disgust or try to wipe their hands on their pants like I've had happen to me. And I laid down on the table and the dermatologist looked at me and he was like, wow, you have the worst case of Palmer hyperhidrosis I've ever seen. Oh, wow. All right. Well, I'm winning at something because I'm the worst he's ever seen. So maybe this box will help. So I laid down, they put, they took a Sharpie marker to my hands and they marked dots on where they were going to inject. So between my two hands, it was 155 injections. And looking now, it was extremely painful. They numbed my hands with ice And then they used a vibrator right before they injected so that my body would respond to the vibration rather than the needle. But it was very painful. But desperate times call for desperate measures. And so I was like, I don't care. I'm going to do this. We're going to see if it works. And it was the best three weeks of my life. My hands didn't sweat at all for three weeks. Three weeks? Yeah. Yeah. But I also had side effects. And I've heard too that you, in order to lengthen the effects, 
of not sweating with Botox, you have to get multiple treatments. And it's very expensive. Most insurance companies don't cover it. So that was the only time I did Botox. But as a side effect, I developed compensatory sweating in my lower back. And I still sweat there to this day. Really? Yes. That's that's fascinating because I had a similar experience. I went to a conference and I was a volunteer to get it done under the armpits. And like you said, that experience really changed my life because I talk about it in my earlier episodes that it was like, I belong. I found my place. It's nice to hear that you had the same experience. And for the Podox, like it went, it went really well for me. It wasn't that painful, but that was my second time doing it. Mm. And it wasn't on the hands. It was under the arm. So a totally different experience, although it was Botox. And I'm surprised that it only lasted three weeks. Did they explain why that might have been? Not really. I just assume that, you know, every person's body is different. So what works for one person may not work for another. Yeah. And my body was just like, nope, we're just going to sweat anyway. Nice yep. try. But and looking back now too, maybe the only point of me getting that was so that I could feel so empowered and so seen that I was then compelled to start my blog. Yeah. So if that was the only reason I was there that day, then I... I'm Yes. And I think that is a beautiful way to look at it because that changed not only your life, but the life of so many people who are going through the same thing because of mm -hmm. that one moment. So that's a beautiful, beautiful way to look at it. I love that. Taking something from maybe not the best outcome because you probably obviously went in to get the sweating to stop completely. Yeah. And then you turn it into something that is what it is today, which is phenomenal. Trailblazing. That's amazing. For people who were to consider getting Botox done for their hyperhidrosis, what advice would you have for them? Definitely research your doctor. Make sure that they're you know well-versed in how to administer Botox mm -hmm. on any area of your body that, you're, that you might be treating for excessive sweating. Mm -hmm. um, and ask them about the side effects. Ask them what their patient's rate of compensatory sweating is ask them about any other side effects. Side effects can also include numbness and tingling. So when I had it done, my pinky finger and my thumb, I couldn't feel. They would tingle. I had trouble turning doorknobs for a little while, okay. trouble turning the key to start my car. So things like that. So if you're in a job where you're using your hands a lot, like you know, typing or assembly line or you know, writing, anything like that, just make sure that you can accommodate for that. Yeah. And do you still have those side effects to this day or did they only last for a certain amount of time? No, I would say they probably lasted for four to six weeks. Man, that must have been difficult. Like, did you know uh, that, that was a risk? Yeah, they they told yeah. me that you have numbness and tingling. And I also had bruising, obviously, because they injected my hands so many times I had bruises from the needles. But yeah, I, I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. But like I said, I was desperate for relief. So I, I was like, screw it. I'm just going to do yeah. it. Yeah. So have you had hyperhidrosis your entire life? Just about. The earliest yeah. I remember having symptoms was around seven years old. I went to a private Catholic school the first few years of schooling. Yeah. And I remember constantly wiping my hands on my Catholic school uniform. Yeah. I couldn't wear jelly shoes unless I wore socks with them because my feet would slip and slide around. Yeah. Uh, when we were learning cursive handwriting, my sweaty hands would tear the paper and smudge the pencil. So things like that. And then when I was 12 years old, I finally asked my mom, you know, 
what's wrong with me? Like, why is my body so sweaty? So she took me to our pediatrician. They never said the word hyperhidrosis. They just prescribed an antiperspirant. And they told me to put it on my hands and feet at night and then wrap my hands in saran wrap, which is not practical for, you know, a 12 year old trying to sleep at night. Like, oh, just wrap your hands in plastic. It'll be fine. But that was to help it better absorb into my skin. And it worked for a little while, but I had extreme itching on my palms and on my wrists Mm -hmm. from the ingredients. And then it wasn't until I was out of school, out of high school, and then I started college. I started doing my own research and I finally found the term hyperhidrosis. And so then that was kind of the rabbit hole that opened up for me. And I, you know, became a total sweat nerd and tried to find any information that I could. And I'm the one who actually brought it to my dermatologist and said, Hey, I think I have what's called hyperhidrosis. Wow. Do you feel that doing that research yourself was because it felt empowering to do it? I was just tired of not having answers. You know, like the medical profession, you know, healthcare, these are the big wigs. They go to medical school for years and years. They're supposed to know everything about the specialty that they're in, right? Yeah. And some dermatologists don't. So I would also say if you're looking for a dermatologist, ask them if they have gone through the curriculum through the International Hyperhidrosis Society because they they have, you know, kind of a certification for lack of a better word for dermatologists. So if if your dermatologist has that, then they're better versed in hyperhidrosis and treatment options. Yes. And you can find doctors or dermatologists from all over the world on that site, correct? Correct. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a global site, which is really nice. I mean, they're very knowledgeable and they're the ones that I've learned from as well, right? They're there for us for a reason, right? And they care and they're compassionate. Community has been big for me. And I know you mentioned that it was big for you. Would you recommend that people who are having a hard time with this get a community around them so that they can have somebody to talk to and why would you recommend community? Definitely community is huge. Yeah. We were not meant to go through life alone, whether yes. it's with hydrosis or any other condition or scenario in which we find ourselves. There's a quote by C.S. Lewis that says, friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, me too, I thought I was the only one. So you are not the only one who has this sweaty secret and secrets can make us sick. By releasing that shame and sharing what it is that we're going through, you're going to find other people who are raising their hand in the background. That's me too. I'm not the only one. Initially, when I started my blog and being recognized and seen and validated for exactly who I was and exactly how my body behaved, empowered me. So then I could turn the tables and hopefully help other people through my story. And you have. It's beautiful. So you have it in your hands and... Lower back compensatory? Yeah. So I have palmer, planter, axillary, and then lower back. So I'm just a big sweaty mess. (laughs) Do you find that it affects you equally physically as it does psychologically? I would say now it's more psychological because I'm placed into more scenarios that trigger my hyperhidrosis. You know, when I was younger, it was just a, a physical thing, you know. I can't play heads up, seven up in school. I can't play Red Rover because you know, my hands are going to not have a good grip, things like that. And now it's, oh, I'm going into a job interview and they're going to shake my hand and assume that I'm nervous because I'm sweating. But there's there's a big difference. I'm not sweating because I'm nervous. I'm nervous because I'm sweating. Mm-hmm. And most 
people don't understand that. The more scenarios I'm placed in, the older I get, professional scenarios, things at home, you know, having a baby and having sweat, like that's a whole thing in and of itself too. Mm-hmm. We've learned a lot more that hyperhidrosis can be hereditary. Did that have any impact on whether or not you chose to have children? Because I know for some of my clients, it is factor. Yes and no. I was definitely worried that my son would have hyperhidrosis. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I kind of thought, well, he couldn't have a better mom, you know, to ask advice about sweating if he does indeed have it. And just because you have hyperhidrosis doesn't mean you can't do things. You know, you might need certain accommodations or have to do things a different way, mm-hmm. but you can still do things. You can still live a wonderful, fulfilled life despite having a medical condition. I agree. Well, advocating for yourself because not everybody does, right? We still right. hide it as this dirty little secret. It's not dirty and it doesn't need to be a secret. Talking about it is very empowering. Earlier episode that I did about the nervous system, Leah, who I interviewed, said that there's something about telling people what's going on for you. Like if you start to sweat and you tell somebody, they can have more compassion for you. You don't have to tell them. I mean, that's your choice, but opens the door to compassion. And people are going to make up stories about what's going on. So you might as well be empowered in telling them what it is so that they're not making up their own stories about it. And most of the time when they tell these stories, it's based off of their experiences. Right. Not based off of yours, but off of theirs. Most people don't know that sweating isn't just about being hot and cooling the body. There's so (laughs) many reasons why we sweat. Educating people about that can make a big difference in how they respond to us when they see us doing it. Makes me think of an example I had a job once where we were at a a conference and I was tasked with passing the microphone around to audience members for them to ask questions to those on stage. Yeah. And so I remember thinking, oh crap, like I have to pass a microphone to someone else and my hands are literally dripping. And I had one of the audience members take the microphone and then kind of, you know, pull it away from them and look back like, ew, you know, and that made me feel so horrible. And so after that event, I told my coworkers, hey, like, I'm happy to help do whatever, but here's what's going to happen if you ask me to handle an object and then pass it to someone else. So if we could maybe avoid that, that would be great. So don't be afraid either to ask for accommodations in your workplace. You know, hyperhidrosis in some senses may be considered a disability, Mm -hmm. but it's not. Just ask for what you need. Yeah, I love that because you can't expect people to know what you need. You need right. to tell them. Yeah. I even find that, I mean, with my husband. Like, oh, totally. you should know what I need. It's like, how does he know what I need unless I tell him? And most of right. the time, I don't even know what I need, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. So it it makes a big difference. And then we end up you know, being upset with other people because they're not giving us what we need. But they don't know all the time, right? And we can't expect them to know. Right. So that's beautiful advice. And in the workplace, and lots of people do not advocate for themselves in the workplace for multiple reasons. And I think a big part of that is people with hyperhidrosis or who struggle with a lot of sweating, whether they're diagnosed or not, identify as their sweat. It's I am a sweater. And they forget to see that there's so much more than that, right? That's been a big changing point for me is that I didn't realize how much I identify as a person who sweats 
it took away the power from me because I felt like there was no control there. So I didn't even look for ways to, there was options for treatment or that I could tell people about it, all these things, right? Because to me, I was my sweat and it controlled me. It holds people back a lot. And that was my experience. That's been my client's experience. I know that you said that you went to the conference and you got Botox. Mm -hmm. So that was Mm -hmm. a driving force for doing your blog. And then what was it that you said that got you researching back in university? I was just tired of not having answers and also tired of being a victim to my circumstances. You know, I call it my sweaty inner monologue. It gets really loud at times. And all you can think about is, I hate myself. I hate my body. Why is this happening to me? Like everyone's going to think I'm weird or gross or dirty or this or that. And I just finally got tired of it, empowering myself to be my own best health advocate because we know our bodies best. So I started there, like, what can I do to find out more about this condition? And then once I found information, then I had more tools in my toolbox Mm -hmm. to dig out of that victim mentality. Yeah. There is a big part of us that feels like a victim. And sometimes it's hard to pull yourself out of that. We're not sweating because we're nervous. We're nervous because we're sweating. Yes. You start to sweat, you get nervous, or you're nervous because you're sweating. And then there's the hyperhidrosis sweating and then the nervous sweating. And the more nervous you are, the more that dial is turned up and you start to sweat more and more and more. And then you just feel out of control, right? It's a vicious cycle. Yes. You mentioned that you've tried Botox to help manage the hyperhidrosis. Have you tried Mm -hmm. anything? out? I've tried basically everything there is with the exception of ETS surgery. And I'll get to that in a second, but I've tried beta blockers. I've tried anticholinergics. I've tried herbs like sage because sage has a drying effect that didn't really do anything for me. Prescription strength antiperspirants, over-the-counter clinical strength antiperspirants, you know, just like powders and creams and, you know, none of it works. And then ETS surgery, I think should be a last resort for people. And I personally will never have that surgery done because the side effects of compensatory sweating are absolutely devastating. It can be worse than the original sweating problem. And I've met people in person who have had ETS and they are literally soaking through two layers of clothing and it's devastating for them. So I don't feel like that that's a good option for me. Not that it isn't a valid treatment option. And like I said before, what works for one person may not work for another. So definitely do your research, ask your ETS surgeon, what are your rates of compensatory sweating in your patients? Because a lot of times you'll click on, you know, the first result in a Google search and that's all marketing and advertising. So make Mm -hmm. sure you're asking the deeper and more important questions. Yes. That's great advice. I have heard all the things that you've heard. So thank you for sharing that, because I think there's those aspects that people need to know, too. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, you can get to the point where it's last resort and you're so over it. And that's where they... Right. And I'm actually working on a blog post right now about side effects of hyperhidrosis treatments. And in addition Mm -hmm. to side effects, a lot of these prescription medications, they can deplete your body of other nutrients that you need in order to function. So just being aware of that. So if you're on a certain medication then you would know what to supplement for if it's depleting any type of nutrients in your body. That's also important. Yeah, because a big factor, right? Because if you're going to take medication, there's always something that it's affecting apart from just what it's treating. It doesn't make it right or wrong, but you also have to think of the other areas that it's affecting. Yeah, and just make sure that the benefits outweigh the risks for you personally. 
And yeah. no one can answer that except for you and your physician. Yes, exactly. Is there any reason why a person would go to a dermatologist over a physician to get a diagnosis for hyperhidrosis? Well, I think dermatologists are, that's their specialty, right? Is skin and skin diseases and skin yeah. problems. So that would make sense to start with them first. But there are a lot of general practice or family physicians holistic or naturopathic physicians, functional medicine doctors may be able to help too because a functional medicine doctor looks at your body as a whole and not just one part. Yeah. And I, for me, that makes a lot of sense now going through some other health conditions that I've got. I like to look at things from a functional medicine perspective now. Yes. I trust that my body can heal itself one way or another. Well, I'd like to think through almost anything. So have you ever heard of Louise Hayes? Yes. Yes. On topic, but off topic, I recently hurt my lower back just lifting something light. Thank you, age. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I I went right to that book and I'm like, okay, well, what is it that might be causing this pain in my back that is not physical that I can see instead of it just being, you know, related to age or lifting it wrong? Is there something more than that, like energetically or yeah. uh, anything along those lines, right? And the answer that I saw was like, I'm like, yep, that fits because that's what I've been working on in this area of my life through, you know, yeah. mind, body and spirit as a whole. I think when we're going about looking at our bodies, it's important to look at all those aspects because it's not just one thing. It's all of that. We are made up of all of these different things, right? The mind, body, and the spirit. What I've noticed for me with my excessive sweating is that it was very easy for me to ignore the body because I didn't trust it anymore. If you're constantly yes. sweating, it's like, well, my body's betrayed me. I was very focused on the thoughts and the mind and the spiritual aspect, but never like dropping down at the body and feeling the emotions and all those things too. There is a lack of the, the mindset work when it comes to getting information about dealing with hyperhidrosis or sweating. So have you done any mindset work around your sweating? I would say not officially. I mean, I've, I haven't spoken to a therapist about it. I've had therapy in the past for other things, but I, you know, I'm, I'm a self-seeker. I'm a very curious person. So I read a ton of books, as you can see behind me, this is my yeah. bookshelf. Yeah. So I read a lot of health-related content. I, I love Louise Hay and, you know, Wayne Dyer. Wayne Dyer has a really good quote and he says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And so that's been a big big deal for me is just changing my mindset around my hyperhidrosis. Yeah. Yeah. I like to teach people, educate my clients in the community that there's nothing wrong with us. Like our body is sweating, but there's nothing we have to fix. And that's a total different mindset because I know I grew up thinking, what's wrong with me? Why is my body doing this? And instead of like listening internally to be like, okay, well, what's going on? It, I've always found going outwards to everybody else for all the answers is how I'm going to solve it. And then it's only when I started going inside being like, okay, and trusting myself where I'm starting to really shift how much I'm sweating and the blocks that I had in getting treatment for my hyperhidrosis. Like I didn't even know iontophoresis existed the longest yeah. time. And then I got a dermadry machine and, and it took me two or three weeks to actually start using it. 
even yep. with everything that I know. And I'm like, why the heck did it take me so long to try this? Yeah. Yeah. We just put up these blockers, right? And it's easy when you identify as a person who sweats, it's a lot harder to change it when I've used it as an excuse for so many things in my life. Have you had any experience with that too? Like, have you ever consciously or subconsciously didn't want to do and you'd be like, oh, well, can't do that because I sweat. So in middle school, you either have to choose between playing an instrument in the band or choir. And so immediately I was like, I can't play an instrument. Like my, I'm not going to be able to hold it. I'm going to drip puddles onto the floor. So I'll just sing so I can at least put my hands in my pockets. Yeah. Yeah. But things like that, you know, just trying to avoid public speaking, networking events are horrible. So if I had to attend one of those, I would do the old drink trick where you put a cold glass in your right hand and then right before you shake, you switch it to your left hand. And then then they think your hand is wet from the glass and not because you have a sweating problem. As like a safety blanket, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I love that. It's like one right here. Like I'm literally, it's fine. (laughs) In all of my research, what I'm learning is like every, well, first off, everybody sweats. If you have a healthy body, you sweat. When you're nervous or anxious or embarrassed, our emotions affect our sweating too. So people, anybody who's nervous sweats because our bodies get our heart rate speeds up and we naturally start to sweat more. So that's a normal thing too. And then There's so many parts of this that are normal that we sometimes miss to see those things because we do it so much becomes who we are. (laughs) And we don't even pay attention to when we're not sweating anymore because we're so focused on when we are sweating. Do you do a lot of public speaking? Not as much anymore since I stay home with my little boy now. But when I was working full time, yeah, I was, you know, part of a management team. And so I would have to lead monthly meetings and, you know, go out into the community and attend events and things like that. So the the public speaking stuff has kind of slowed down for me a little bit. Yeah. How did you get yourself to public speak and overcome that hurdle? Oh, gosh. I think by just by taking the focus off myself, you know, like I'm there to serve others, then it, it gives you that perspective shift. Mm-hmm. So just trying to remember, you know, I'm I'm here to tell my story or to tell, you know, whatever the work thing is for someone else. It's not about me. It's about them. I love that. That's what's worked for me too. That's interesting. And so did you, when you were doing your public speaking, is there anything that you did in particular to prepare yourself for that or to feel safer or more comfortable when you were up there? Yeah. A specific example, I gave the eulogy at a dear friend's celebration of life service many years ago. I wrote the eulogy ahead of time. I practiced. I wore sweat-friendly clothing, so stuff that I knew would absorb sweat and hide sweat. Mm-hmm. And then I also had a fan that I brought up to the podium so I, because I tend to do better if I can feel airflow moving across my body. So I had a little tiny fan. I carried a handkerchief to absorb my sweaty hands. Yeah. So, And I think definitely just being as prepared as you can. So always practicing your speech or your talking points, You know, printing everything out and then taping it up to the wall and literally talking to the wall. Practicing your hand gestures gestures and how you're going to stand and what's going to make you feel the most comfortable so that you can set yourself up for success. Uh, That's great advice. Did you find that you sweat less because you did that? Like you were more in control of the nervous sweating, at least? That's that funny. No, (laughs) I probably more just because again, you're in that trigger scenario, right? Right. So you you have to be on and you have to perform and get your words out and try and hide your condition while doing it. So it's like a whole thing. So I would, I would definitely sweat more and then just be so depleted by the end of it that I felt like I had to go home and take a nap. Yeah. I can relate to that too. Mm -hmm. Resisting it all, right? Yeah. 
Was there ever any time where you were able to do something like that and you just embraced the sweating instead of resisting it? Yes. The International Hyperhidrosis Society, they did their first ever patient-focused drug development meeting. This was back in 2017. And so I was invited to be a panelist speaker and to share my story. So I sat up on stage and got to talk to members of the FDA and big pharma, dermatologists, you know, nurse practitioners, everyone and anyone in the healthcare field. And there were also a lot of other patients there. So again, that was when I kind of felt like I was in my element. You know, this is my tribe. These are my people. They know what we're here to talk about and I don't have to hide it anymore. That's amazing. And did you find anything different with your sweat? It was still happening, but I wasn't consciously thinking about it anymore. It was like, okay, this is just, this is going to be my companion for the day. And, you know, we might need to do an outfit change or run, run our hands under cold water or, you know. Yeah. It was definitely more welcome in that scenario because I was in a place of full acceptance. Yes. I love that. Full acceptance. What what better scenario could you be in than that? And I'm, you know, in my 40s and I it's true when you hit the 40s, you're like, care a little bit less about what everybody thinks of you. And it comes oh, more no. about, okay, this is this is me. And I'm finding that I'm getting more in a place where I'm more in full acceptance of myself. You know, and the life coaching has been a big factor for that in managing my mind that less that I need others to accept me because I'm accepting myself more. Yeah. There's even times in my life where I'm like, you know what, maybe I could do some public speaking because that's always been the biggest thing that scares yeah. scares me the most for multiple reasons. But then I hear stories like yours and I'm like, and she can do this. I can do this. And it's just borrowing your possibilities for myself so to see what's possible for me. So again, that's a a beautiful thing. And I'm so grateful for you for that. Well, thank you. Thank you. To you and everyone else, you know, don't be afraid to put yourself out there. It's not to say that you have to give the disclaimer that you have hyperhidrosis in every situation. Mm -hmm. Don't let that define you. For me, once I open up and talk about it, then I'm free from it. And I don't have to worry about it for the rest of that encounter with that person or that organization or, you know, whatever the scenario might be. Amazing. And I'm, I'm learning for myself, the worst thing that can happen is an emotion. So if I go up there and I sweat all over the place, the worst thing that can happen is I feel something. I feel bad. I feel embarrassed. I feel, again, that empowers me that I'm like, that's my choice. I can, I can choose to do these hard things because the worst thing that's going to happen is, is that as long as you know, you're in a safe environment, right? And just allowing you to feel those emotions because emotion energy. So if you stuff them down, you're going to have stagnant energy in your body. Exactly. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. No, <laughs> no. Thank you so, so much for this. Is there anything that you want people to know who have hyperhidrosis? Words of wisdom, apart from all of the wisdom you've given us so far. You kind of touched on it earlier. You know, we are so much more than our hyperhidrosis. And there's a quote by Eleanor Roosevelt, and she says, No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. So stop consenting. You don't have to feel inferior. That's that's a choice that you have to make from within. And you can be changed by your hyperhidrosis circumstances, but you don't have to be reduced by them. And once you start talking about it and accepting it, you'll find that the universe will bring you more of your own people who understand that. And even if you don't have hyperhidrosis, every person struggles with something, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally. The more authentic you are in sharing your story, the more authenticity you will find comes back to you. Beautifully put. And is there anything we might have missed today that you want to share? This, I mean, that's a beautiful way to end it. Be your own best health advocate. You know your body the best. 
do your research, talk about it with others. Don't be afraid to try alternative treatments. And that might just be talk therapy, you know, find a therapist, find a life coach like yourself to help you work through all this sweaty mess Mm -hmm. and that you'll start to feel better about it. And even if you can't get rid of it, you can learn how to work with it and not against it. I couldn't agree more. One thing that I've also realized is that, like you said, like be your own health advocate. And that's in everything. When you're going to the doctor, sometimes we go in there and we look at them as the authority that they should know everything. And nobody knows everything. If you're not getting the results that you want and you're not getting the answers that you want, go find them or even be okay with telling them wait a second. I mean, have you heard of this, right? Or I know this about me and this is not normal, right? So I love that you said be your own advocate because I think so many of us aren't in situations when we're talking to doctors or dermatologists. We Mm -hmm. think that they know it all and they don't. Nobody does. If you're asking questions and presenting research and information to your doctor and they don't like it, it's time to find a new doctor. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Where can people find you? Where can they find your blog? Yeah. So my website is mylifeasapuddle.com. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it now at My Life is a Puddle. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Megan. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, head over to empoweredbysweat.com for more information about our coaching, community, and clothing.